Welcome to Vets Beyond the Uniform, a weekly podcast that focuses on helping veterans successfully find and integrate into new careers after leaving the military service. Listen in as our hosts and guest experts share key insights on the successful programs helping veterans to enter and thrive in the civilian workforce. For more information after the program, please visit us at vetsbeyondtheuniform.com. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to the Vets Beyond the Uniform podcast. I am Mally Mancia, and joining me today from Vets Beyond the Uniform, I have Paul Cevalani and Dave Beadle. On today's show, Paul and Dave will be talking with Raleigh Wilkins, former U.S. Marine and founder of Sales Platoon. Welcome, everyone. Well, thank you, Mally. Thanks for having us. Great to be here on another podcast. Yeah, great. I'm glad to be here as well. So that makes a three. <laughs> All right. No, that's good. That's, that's a great way to start. So Raleigh well, Dave Beetle here. Thanks so much for, for joining us today. Um, uh, you know, we've got a couple a couple of Marines on here, and it's always good when we get to outnumber the Navy guy. Paul hates that, but I always You know what? Him. I knew you were going to bring that up really quick. I was going to say I'm outnumbered right from the get-go. So here we go. <laughs> yeah, well, that means it's going to be a much higher quality show, so we're good to go. <laughs> okay, where's so, my Navy friends? Come and join yeah. us. <laughs> so Raleigh, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're doing with your organization called Sales Platoon, and, and how did that come about? Yeah, no. Well, thanks for asking. Yeah, so uh, so I'm a former U.S. Marine, as you guys uh, alluded to earlier, and um, you know I spent six years active duty. And when I was on active duty, you know we're we're really only doing one of three things when you're on active duty. You're either you're in a war fighting combat arms type role, you're supporting combat arms, or you're in some type of a you know support admin logistics role. And one of the things that's missing from the military is there is no revenue creation. You know, we spend money, we don't make it. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, and, and the challenge was when I came off active duty, um, like most service members at that time, we didn't have the resources as back in 2002-ish era. And there just weren't the resources, transition programs available like they are now. And so, you know, when I hung my uniform in the closet, it was I want to go and get into the business world. But without a college degree, uh, I had more than enough credits, just no container, didn't know how to enter the business world. And so, you know, the organization is essentially a reflection of my own journey um, from active duty to the 75% of us, you know, 60 to 85%, they say, of us leave active duty without a defined career path, Um, many of us without any type of full-time job. And you know, it was my own path for those two to three years of how do I find my way into the corporate world, eventually going there, finishing the degree, becoming a reluctant salesperson, not knowing what I was doing, figuring out my way across the next 20 years to bring us to our podcast here today. And so the result of that and all the lessons and learnings of that became Sales Platoon. So tell me about this, this idea of being a reluctant salesperson. I've been in the sales uh, game myself a couple of times, so it's some, mm-hmm. some interesting products. So uh, what, what, is, what do you mean by reluctant salesperson? Well, I didn't know that I was going to go into sales. I mean, you know, there's an, an idea, you know, I'd always had an entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, my first sales job was taking my mom's cookbooks and going door to door and selling them and my stuffed animals to our neighbors in the apartment complex <laughs> we lived in. 
<laughs> and uh, I didn't really understand price-value ratio, so I'd sell the cookbooks for a nickel or a quarter and the stuffed animals for slightly more because they had more emotional value. But, uh, you know, going back and having to go with my mom to go repurchase those from the neighbors was never a... <laughs> So, you know, I had an entrepreneurial side, and, you know, and then I'd harvest vegetables and all that and then sell them. Um, you know, but I didn't know, you know, sales existed in the B2B world. Um, you know, when I was on active duty, I, I came in contact with this guy, Alex Vendetti, and uh, we were at a mentor treat together. And afterwards, uh, we went out to the parking lot, and he had this brand-new Lincoln Navigator. And I was like, well, how did you – and I was in the Marines at the time, and I said, how did you get this Navigator? He said, oh, my wife bought it for me. And I thought, well, what does his wife do? Jeez, you know, so she, she sells Mary Kay. And I was like, okay, a makeup, right? And so what do you do? He says, I sell vacuums. And I was like, okay, another overextended U.S. family of vacuum salesmen in America. (laughs) And and what turned out was that Alex was like, he owned the East Coast distributorship, I believe, or at least a region of for Kirby uh, International. And his wife had just opened the Philippines for Mary Kay. So they truly were the 30-year-old multimillionaire power couple. Um, And... So they introduced me to B2C selling. And so while I was on active duty, I started selling vacuums. And so I sold Kirby vacuums door to door and doubled my salary as a sergeant, which is not hard to do. Uh, mm-hmm. you know. uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and I loved it and I learned a lot about it, but I also at the same time didn't like it. I didn't like the idea of knocking on people's doors at dinner time. You know, I did. I love the product. I own a Kirby. My mom owned a Kirby before she passed. You know, was, we all had Kirby's in my family. Uh, but it was, uh, I knew I didn't want to do that for a living. And so I really didn't even know what B2B selling was and how it was different corporate sales from consumer selling. And so when I came off active duty, I had no desire to be a salesperson. Uh, it was my job, my role. I thought at the time I wanted to come out and go back to law school and, or go to law school and be a maritime lawyer. And so you know, I you know started applying to schools and got in, and you know ended up going and uh, becoming an executive assistant was my foray into the corporate world. And in doing that, uh, I got to go and be in all these board meetings that probably shouldn't have been in as a 27 year old, 28 year old former Marine without a college degree. And yet, mm-hmm. I'm listening to these senior VPs and presidents of com- big companies talking about how they make decisions, and I came to understand this idea of revenue creation and you know revenue operations and how important cash flow is to an organization and truly what selling inside an organization was and i got it piqued my interest um and that's and so i backdoored into the idea of that while corporate selling is kind of the difference between a consultant and a salesperson is a consultant is kind of a lazy salesperson they just go and diagnose the problem but don't have a solution uh, the salesperson actually comes with a solution, you know, and um, and they have the product. And so I, I figured that out and, um, you know, had the desire to then say, okay, where can I go in this organization or another organization to go and try to do what these people are doing, which is essentially this, at the time, consultative selling was really big. It's fallen out of fashion now for a lot of reasons, but at the time that was the idea. Yeah, that's that's kind of the, the background that I come from as well. I was selling, uh, you know, higher end products, um, copiers, copier knocking mm-hmm. on the door business type thing. But then I also sold exercise equipment to, to health clubs across a, a large section of the Western United States, and that was always the approach we took. And I, I think I had a lot of the same um, feelings about uh, sales that you did. 
I went and sat in on the Kirby vacuum uh, sales sales pitch, sales recruiting meetings uh, back in the day. Um, <laughs> and yeah, like you, I, you, you got farther than I did. I could never get past that. I don't want to knock on somebody's door and try to sell them something like this. I just didn't do it. So I, I totally get where you're coming from on that. So take us then through the next step. So you're learning how to be a salesperson. You're learning how that really ties in with the business and how critical it is for the business to generate revenues and how, how important that role is. And also you're discovering that I can do this and actually help people. Is that, is that fair to say? So what's the next step that led you to what you're doing now and, and helping veterans through sales platoon? Yeah. So I, I found a company that were taking a shot on me and it was a uh, team mobile's business division. And so they had this new product called the Blackberry that was out. And, um, you know, it was building up this division. And so they had about 500 sellers at the time. And the story is really important, so I'll tell it quickly. But, you know, I went there and I thought it was going to be as simple as calling up people kind of like, you know, Kirby, you know, here's the value, here's the value prop, buy our product. And I found that everything they had taught me uh, was not working. And I stayed near the bottom for almost the, almost the first year that I was there was within the you know, 450 something out of 500 sellers. And somewhere along the line, I realized that doing the right, doing the wrong thing often enough starts to feel right. And, you know, if you do what everyone else does, then you're going to get the results that they get. And no one in our team was successful, but there was another team that was more successful and that was the government side. And so I spent time shadowing those guys. And what I learned was that those guys didn't sell products. They sold what the product did. It had nothing to do with the BlackBerry or the server. It had everything to do with connecting people, connecting individual sales teams, reducing the impact and the burden on traveling executives. They don't have to go plug their computer into a phone, you know, into a phone line when they get to a hotel at the end of a 10-hour day just to download email. And in understanding that, and, you know, it would be a very long conversation, but I, I learned how to sell. I essentially learned the tenets of selling by reading a lot of different books, right? Spin selling, uh, Miller Hyman, conceptual selling, all the things that, you know, in some of the old classics, how to win friends and influence people or thinking grow rich. And, you know, I started to apply those. And what I learned was there's a big difference between academic knowledge and applied knowledge. And because we're in sales, we're in a crucible where we're truly not only inventing what we're doing or trying it, we're actually testing it every day and we're getting real feedback. You get to see if it works or not. And in doing that, in the space of the next six months, I went from number 450, whatever I was at then, to within the top five reps in the company. And earning wow. from, you know, 800 to $1,200 a month in a commission to eight dollars to $15,000 a month in commission. And, and the, the only difference was the scientific approach I was taking towards selling. And I realized that if I ever tried to teach people what I was doing, they would always say, oh, yeah, I know that. I know, I know, I know. Well, you know, but you don't do. And knowing and not doing it is, is just a form of insanity. And that's what I noticed was that the people around me didn't want to actually execute and learn something different. It's like I can watch the PGA and tell how the guy needs to hit the ball, me being able to do it something totally different. Right. And, and so that, that became, a, you know, from that success, became a sales manager failed at that, right? Because <laughs> you can't try to turn everybody into yourself and then, you know, then figure that out and became a director and a senior director and a VP and an SVP and an SVP of sales and from startups to NASDAQ. So 
I spent 20 years building a sales career, and along that way, I'd always look for sales training, sales training methodologies, onboarding systems, technology, later artificial intelligence, predictive modeling, trying to figure out what the combination is of people, product, and process to be able to effectively sell. And so I became a lifelong student of sales. And I found that you really need to have three things in an organization to make it successful. You have to have a product that solves a need. You have to have a group of people that have the ability to articulate that product need and bridge the gap, a.k.a. known as salespeople. And then they need to have a process that can be replicated in order for that product and that message to get out to the right people and for them to help them make the right decisions. And the piece that's the hardest of all of that, you would think it's the product. The product is, yeah, that's difficult. And the process, but the process is the derivative of the product you're selling and then the people. So where do you find people? And so as a manager, director, VP, when I'd go and recruit, the first thing I would do is go to my HR and I would say, give me a stack of the resumes that you've rejected over the last 30 days. It didn't even make it to my desk. Because in there, I knew I was going to find military members. I was going to find student athletes. I was going to find the raw goods, that type of mosaic intelligence that especially our combat arms has, could potentially, if given the right training skill set, timing and formula be able to execute in a way that maybe Susie Sorority and Frankie Fraternity couldn't because they don't have the resiliency, drive, determination, and proven ability to work inside, you know, those organizations. And that, so the idea for Sales Platoon really started about seven or eight years ago and realizing there was a codified way to onboard people, but I need to find a differentiated set of talent that's already been vetted. And I used to think that I could do it by going to certain universities. What I found later is the best university and the largest graduating university in the world is our U.S. Armed Services. And I'd stack up that a four-year enlistment in the Marine Corps is equivalent to what we're teaching Susie Sorority and Frankie Fraternity. The only thing they're missing is business acumen. But I can teach them business. But, you know, most of the people that have gone through college just learning an academic exercise, not an applied learning model. Well, you've, yeah, definitely that was run the gauntlet. Yeah. you've definitely run the gauntlet yeah. in sales. One thing I want to bring back to both of you about Kirby's, while you guys were out selling Kirby's, I was drawing circles for Amway. I was in Amway for about five <laughs> years, drawing, going door to door selling Amway products and um, liquid organic cleansers and that type of stuff. So uh, I think we've all done that. Let's go try our do our sales right out of the get-go. Um, Raleigh, I want to ask you one question because you have an executive sales training program, and you say it's uh, designed – for transition specifically designed for transitioning military what's the Mm -hmm. difference in your program that it's geared towards military members yeah so at this moment we work only with active duty military who are transitioning off active duty through the skill bridge program Um, because the program that we're teaching it's not like you know you you can't learn to box by watching rocky and, and you can't learn to golf by watching the PGA. You have to go do it. And sales, for as as much as it is a science, it's an applied science, much more like an apprenticeship. And so, you know, working within the active duty community or people who are soon to separate and coming off of active duty, they're assigned to us full time. So I get them from anywhere between 12 weeks to six months before they come off active duty and they're assigned to our company full time where I can truly indoctrinate them, not just into 
you know, the idea of what is selling. And, you know, look, if I want to know what selling is, sure, from a B2C perspective, go watch Jordan Belfort videos or Grant Cardone or maybe someone slightly less in your face like a Jeffrey Gittimer or a Dave Curlin or, you know, any of these experts out there, they do a great job of explaining what sales is. Sandler, right? Mm-hmm. But that's academic. It's purely academic. It's videos. You know, it's like I can watch, you know, how to hit a, you know, 40-yard chip shot using a, you know, a pitching wedge. You know, I, I can look at that. But going out and doing it, I need somebody that's – if I have a coach beside me as I'm doing it, if they're watching me not hit that shot once or twice or three times on a course, but hundreds of times, how much more effective and efficient am I going to be? And it's the reason that the trades for you always really have been – a journeyman, then master, then a craftsman, then master craftsman. And sales is the same thing. And so essentially when we go and onboard someone into our sales team, it's a challenging role for recruiters to fill because they're essentially being asked to look at a piece of paper to see how well somebody can hit a baseball. And yeah. it's like, I can't look at a piece of paper. I mean, all I'm doing is say, I, the, best, the best writing some salespeople do is on their resumes, and the best they selling they'll ever have is their last day interviewing. You know, <laughs> and they show up at my organization, <laughs> and they cannot produce. And whatever, it's not like we're going to call up a company and be like, um, I'm sorry, was uh, Manly actually, did he hit 363% a quota three months in a row, and was he actually the president's club? Like, nobody's going to answer that. So you yeah. can put whatever right. you want on there. It's the greatest greatest piece of fiction in the world is a sales resume. I've never seen one that says fired <laughs> for underperformance, you know, lazy, um, you know, doesn't like to cold call, you know. <laughs> it's like, it's like, you know it, it comes out like that. So, hey, do you do you align with any programs such as SkillBridge or any other programs that yeah. you can kind of pull in? How does that work? Yeah, so we're authorized under the DOD SkillBridge. So we are an authorized provider with them, one of the few that is sales training. Um, and so we have our organization. And so our goal is that they can certainly stay on and be a part of Sales Platoon. And we have products that we sell and we pattern. Like we partner with a company called Veterans Roasters. We design that. So, you know, we look for other veteran-focused veteran businesses that we can represent. But the goal is for them to, you know, we're through DOD SkillBridge. Um, we're also applied for our full apprenticeship through the Department of Labor. So we're in final stage review there. And that will open us up to be able to train vets who are off of active duty who we need to get retrained. But as you can imagine, if I had to pay somebody's salary while they went through our program for 12 weeks and they're not selling, in addition to all the licenses, the cost is about $2,000 a week when you onboard a sales rep. Mm-hmm. So you figure that's twenty, almost $25,000 just to train them, and then you got to pay for a manager and a trainer and all the cost of having somebody. So, yeah, so we're through a DOD skill bridge, and that's one of the ways that this works for us and, you know, that we can truly get them while they're making that transition. The other piece is, you know, and one of – this is – for me, this is from one of our, 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 our reps or, our, you know, candidates that came through. They said – they said, look, I feel a lot of the times, like, when I left active duty, like, I'm navigating the streets of Paris with a map of Chicago. Wow. And I thought yeah. that was a really insightful piece for them because that's truly what it's like. You know, we're, it's like I'm going from America to the U.K. They kind of speak the same language, but the customs, mores, and traditions are completely different. And if you think of it, like one of the things we do is we take them through a 42-day mindset course designed by a former near, uh, SEER school instructor um, who now owns a company called Truesome. His name's Rod Harrison. He's an incredible veteran. 
does a lot to get back to our committee, to our, to our veterans. But it, you know, they allow us to use that program because we take them through that because essentially for all the benefits that we did, we're in the military, everybody's like, yeah, I love their mission orientation. I love that they're team centered. Great. But what happens when the uniform comes off? What happens when the rank comes off? And all of a sudden I'm going into an organization where there's no rank structure there's no clearly defined organizational hierarchy, and there's no UCMJ to back up any authority. Right. What do you do? And, and so part of our program, as much as it is teaching them sales and sales skills and sitting beside the left seat, right seat, watch kind of mentality we do, the TLO, ELO, execute, there's still a component of that that has to be, you know, how do I become a civilian? How do I pick up the mantle of self-worth? that I voluntarily cast aside when I joined the U.S. Armed Services, when I took my own needs, even the need for my own safety, and subjugated that to the needs of the team in service to the overall mission, when I'm competing with everybody who's got Maslow's hierarchy needs front of mind, which is all about me, and then maybe I'm going to find a team that helps me execute, and then the company's mission, sure, if it makes me look good, I'm happy to align. That's what they're competing with. So how do you do that? And that's a big piece of our transition for our vets coming out. That's pretty impressive. Hey, we, we talked about the, the veterans. What about the spouses? Mm-hmm. I know you have programs in there for spouses. And can we touch upon that just a little bit? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. You know, uh, you know, so our military community, we know what they go through because they go through the boot camp and everything else, right? Military spouse community, you know, it, the military spouse community has shifted so much over the last several decades. Uh, you know, I'm from a military household. My father was in the Army. I was kind of the accidental child. So my father was actually a World War II vet. So I was, you know, the baby of the babies. It wasn't even supposed to be a baby. Like, what? I'm Whoops. You know, uh, how did that happen? Um, and so, you know, I had a – so, you know, I, I grew up in that, you know, legacy home. But I also had an uncle who served in Vietnam and his wife. And they got married when he was 19 years old and, you know, stationed in uh, South Carolina in Marines. And, you know, I – then it was, you know, the, the idea of dependence, right? And traditionally it was going to be a husband who was married to a wife and they were going to travel together and she was going to stay at home. And it was a different world. It was a different America, right? Today, a military spouse may have two or three degrees. Like give you an example, our, you know, one of our director of admission, Jared Gartner, his wife um, is, uh, she has two degrees, master's degree, and she just graduated law school. So, you know, think about typical military spouse, like that's much highly trained. And yet she's been with Jared for the last 20 years almost as they've traveled. And so her skill set, a lot of the times was tied to a certain location. And so you have these military spouses who are extremely intelligent, extremely, you know, diverse and, you know, have many of the attributes of the armed services of ability to be flexible quickly, you know, moving and migrating from duty station to duty station, um, quickly learning how to assimilate into different groups, learning how to work on, you know, within our military community to get things done. And so they've got all these benefits on top of whatever training they may have, which likely is a four-year degree or, or beyond. And yet it's challenging for civilian employers to figure out how do we take advantage of that when we don't know where they're going to be in two years. We hire them in New York and, You know, then two years later, they get orders and they're going to Okinawa, Japan. Now, what happened to our employee? So sales is one of those 
professions, especially in the day and age we're in now. I mean, we've never met, and yet we've got a relationship, and we talk, and through Zoom and connectivity, we could work anywhere in the world. And, and so there's so much opportunity there. And yet, again, where are they going to find the training, the ability to bridge, the ability to learn and get connected to these employers that are willing to hire them? That's, again, a place that Sales Platoon can create that bridge. That's fantastic. So, so Raleigh, you've talked a lot about how the, the transitioning service members on active duty, now spouses also can get, get in and get access to your program. And through SkillBridge, some of them may end up uh, working for you after that. But tell us a little bit about what's the success path look like for people who exit your program, and how do you how do you then interface with employers who who might be looking for this talent? Yeah, so it's a big advocacy piece on on both sides. So it's a multi-sided market where on one side you have the military community who you know combat arms supporting combat arms and you know, admin support logistics, they're going into a civilian world that is, hey, look, you're doing one of three things there. You're there in revenue creation, you're creating revenue for another company, or you're in support logistics and admin. And so there's a big pitch to the military around what is even sales anyway. And so when they come through the program, some of it is them understanding that, like I've got two lieutenant colonels in our program right now, and the first thing I had to say to one of them when they had applied to the program is I said, sir, your credits don't transfer. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what do you mean? And I said, look, I, I'm very impressed with your background, 27 years. You've, you've done a, a tremendous job in the military. I've done a tremendous job in my 20-plus years in the civilian world. If I quit sales platoon today and go apply for a job at Starbucks, are they going to pay me $350,000 a year? And he's like, no. <laughs> right? They're going to pay me $12 an hour, probably less, because I don't even know how to make that egg on lattes, you know? Um, it's the same thing. And so if you're going to go join an organization, and, and sometimes I'll do it another way. I say, hey, look, you know, would you, you're, in, you're in operations. You're a you know, master gunnery sergeant in the Marine Corps, and you're in charge of you know, operations supply battalion for 1st Marine Division. Would you take the senior manager at Amazon and put him in charge of 1st Marine Division supply and logistics operational line? No, not in a world. Well, why not? I mean, it's essentially the same job. And they go, well, they don't know the, they don't even know how to wear a uniform. They wouldn't know how to get on base. They don't know how to ask. Exactly. So why would you go to their base and expect to be able to be rewarded the same way? You have to, you have to earn your stripes. And so, you know, it's a big sell a lot of the times around the pathway. Now, now there are some direct lines, right? Like companies like Accenture and Deloitte and some of the large organizations that we're working with now, like Johnson and Johnson, we're pretty far along with them. And, you know, they're going to be able to bring someone at that lieutenant colonel level into a much more senior strategic sales type role, especially if they've gone through a program like ours. But the majority of people that come through our program are going to end up going into some type of an account executive role, uh, whether that's an SDR, BDR role or an AE role. And the goal is there that, you know, look, you're going to make less than you would make to start out with in base hour than if you stay in your job title. But two to three years from now, you're going to outperform your peers by two to three X what they're making. And what I always say to them is I say, look, the reason that by 2006, I was a senior director of sales running North and South America, selling synthetic DNA to laboratory scientists and running a team of PhD scientists was not because I read how to win friends and influence people. (laughs) You know, the reason that I was able to do that was because of the combination of the 
three years of practical application I had in the business world of selling, plus my time in the Marine Corps in Corporal's course, Sergeant's course, and learning that small unit leadership and how to drive and develop teams. And that's what you'll be able to apply. But you have to realize your timeline, your horizon needs to be a little longer. So your career path out is going to be finding that company to realize that you might have spent 20 years in the military, but you didn't spend 20 years in a military. You spent 20 years at 10 to 15 different duty stations. You've moved considerably throughout that time, and you're going to do the same thing in the roles that you're in in the military and the civilian world. The main difference is the civilian is a strange world where you can have the title account executive and not change title for 20 years and make considerably more money every year. Yeah, that's true. Huh? And so getting out of that mindset of I have to get promoted in title, you know, it's not going from E1 to E2 to E3 to E4 and such forth and so on. It's, you know, I'm an account executive. Year one, I might make 80000 which is a legitimate target, okay? Maybe a mm -hmm. 40 50K base, another, you know, 20 30 in commission. That's a pretty good first year's on target earnings. Year two, if you're worth your salt, you should be making eighty to 100000 And by year three, you're making, should be making over six figures wherever you're at. And yet, if you go Google the top 10 highest paying jobs in America, and I challenge you to do it, you're going to find respiratory therapist, coding, medical billing. You're not going to find sales even in the top 20. Because it's just, for whatever reason, something that's just completely in our society, really not spoken of, and yet it's one of the highest earning and it's really the last true meritocracy that you're going to be a part of in any community. If you can sell, you're going to make money. If you can sell, they're going to pay you commission. I can't always say the same thing for friends of mine who are in, you know, dollars for hours jobs. Yeah, quite true. Quite true. And like I said, you know, having been in that side of the business myself, I know exactly what you're talking about. So when people, veterans are looking to enter into your program, are you doing anything to say on the front end to, to give them some assessment in terms of what, what's your likelihood of being a success here? Or is it kind of self-selection and you're finding any traits that transfer more than others as uh, people go through your programming and your training? Yeah, we're fine. You know, I do my best. You know, when I was, uh, you know, obviously recruiting, I've used everything from uh, you know, Chally assessment to strength finders, culture index, predictive index, you know, there's all these different personality indicators. And regardless of which one you look at, you know, unless a person really understands sales as a profession, there's pretty much a, a you know, a bolt for every nut, right? There's, you know, there's, you know, if you're looking at a three-year multi-million dollar sales cycle, there's a completely different process in place than there is if you're selling a transactional subscription-based software. And so, you know, we're teaching the fundamentals of selling, right? You know, from discovery call to demo, from demo to proposal, return on investment selling, why people buy, you know, the, the fundamentals. As we start to go through this, they're going to start to gravitate more towards, do I want to sell CPG, you know, consumer packaged goods, software as a service, a subscription-based economy, or am I more of a long-term strategic seller? And so, you know, on the front end, we do testing. We do use different services in order to try to pattern it. What we're usually looking for is analytical deductive reasoners who have some self-direction and are comfortable with constructive tension. So they're able to hold conversations, able to engage. This idea of the seller persona I have found to be uh, a myth. 
that there's no such thing as a born salesperson. You know, there are learned behaviors that you can learn to execute. But if you're a, you know, there's at some point, you know, as we go through this interview, we go through a series of two to three interviews. Um, they also have to sell this internally to their command because they have to get right. approved through the DOD Skillbridge program. And so there is a vetting process that we go through um, with them that part of it is can they even get, you know, selected into the program. And then the second piece of that is once they're, you know, that even happens really before that, I'd say, is them making a decision to go into a career field they know nothing about. Because there's nothing in the military that, you know, is going to translate to doing a B2B sales rep. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of correlations, but it's not like you spent 10 years doing selling. And so that ability to them to take that risk tolerance is going to be a key indicator of their success in the sales role. Because as we know, you know, sales is the only job in the world where you fail 90% of the time and you get promoted. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know any other job in America that's like that. <laughs> quite true, quite true. So, Rally, as we're getting yeah. ready to, to kind of wrap this up here, um, yep. tell us how and tell our, tell our listeners how we can best support you uh, in what you're doing. What is it, what would, uh, what would the one thing you'd say that would help you the most right now? Yeah, I'd say it would be advocacy for the program and what we're doing. So, you know, if you know a veteran, you know, and they're on active duty, they're thinking of coming off, you know, to, to go to our site, you know, our sites, it's, we own salesplatoon.com, mysalesplatoon.com, salesplatoon.com. We own the whole gamut. So if it's sales platoon, we got it. Um, and they can learn some things about our program there. And, you know, so I think that's really the big one is the advocacy piece from the veteran. Um, because employers, once they hear this, they, the two main objections we get are, well, what can they really learn in 12 weeks? And I say, well, obviously, you could, let's go down to Paris Island and see what young women and men down there learn mm-hmm. in 12 weeks. When You know, you can transform someone's life in 12 to 14 weeks. If they can take a dirt ball like me and take me to Paris Island and I emerge a U.S. Marine, I'm pretty <laughs> sure over those same 14 weeks I can take a U.S. Marine and turn them into a salesperson. So – so that's that's really a, the, the main piece there. And the other objection that we get is, you know, well, how is this different from other programs that we might have seen, whether it's Sandler, Miller-Hyman, or whatever they are, right? And, and to that, I always just say, like, look, those are great programs. You know, they are you know, tried and true trade sales, sales trainings, and I'm huge supporters and believers in all types of sales training. That's not what we're doing. You know, there's a component of what we're doing that's sales training, just like there's a component of the recruiting side but the really piece is this is transformational. This is truly going through a Paris Island in a crucible where not everybody passes. We still have about a 25% burnout rate based upon everything that I do because we don't charge the veteran. See, if I charge the veteran, then all of a sudden I've got to get everybody to graduate because right. that's the only way I'm getting paid. When I don't charge them and I don't take any money from the government, the only way we make money is a company say, hey, this is great. This is going to help these people ramp quicker you know, better access to talent, military, all the stuff. We're going to pay you guys what we'd pay a recruiter, essentially, for recruiting fees plus, you know, whatever. They say, you know, I can say, you know, you're not going to make it. You shouldn't be in sales. And so we're able to say, like, to direct them because they're still on active duty and say, you know, maybe you should think about admin. Maybe you should think about staying in logistics. And that's the burnout that the companies don't have to take on. So when you think about that, it's the same thing that we did in the Marine Corps, right? Not saying you're a bad person, but maybe you just don't – maybe you shouldn't be a Marine, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, and I have so. to say, you, you know, we, we loved it when you said transformation because that's, that's really what we're all about as well. We believe exactly the same process. There was a transformation that happened when we, you went through boot camp, you and I and, and Paul, and coming out of the military, there should be some sort of process that allows you to transform into a civilian at the very least, and as you're doing, transform them into somebody who actually then can perform in a sales role. So we're, we're big supporters of that and just absolutely love that. So um, I think we're yeah. coming to the end of our time here. So I'm going to turn this back over to Mally to kind of bring us out and uh, wrap up the show. Okay. Great. Great. Well, thanks for your Thank- time. I appreciate it. Thank you, Raleigh, for being a guest on our show today. All links and contact information for Sales Platoon will be posted in the show description. Paul and Dave, thank you for another wonderful show today as well. As always, please feel free to check us out at vetsbeyondtheuniform.com or we can be reached via email at training at vetsbeyondtheuniform.com. Thank you for tuning in and listening and have a wonderful day, everyone. Raleigh, thanks for joining. Everybody be safe. Yeah, thank you. Bye, y'all.